Amen and amen. Hallelujah. What a great truth tonight. Amen. Boy, it's been a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Anybody agree with that statement? Hallelujah. Eight souls. Yeah, we all. Hey, let me, let me say this before we just sort of kind of play with our hands a little bit. I think we ought to give. We're going to clap. Let's clap. Bless God. Listen, eight souls saved this morning. How about that? Glory to God. Yeah, we ought to give God a hand clap of praise. He is still doing what only he can do. And uh, we are amazed, aren't we, people? Uh, we don't take one ounce of credit. Uh, we don't dare touch the glory. Uh, we acknowledge tonight it's God. It's all God. But listen, he uses people. And he uses people like me, and he uses people like you. And you people are inviting, and you people are sharing your testimony, and you people are sharing Jesus. And God's continuing to do what only God can do. You know, you realize we've had three people surrender to ministry just in the last two weeks. Uh, man, that means uh, that's future, right? That's future building. And, oh, God's just given us all kind of resources. I saw Jackie said somewhere around 200 children, sixth grade down, were on campus this morning. And so, man, we give God praise and glory for that. Um, I don't know which service you were at this morning, which worship time, but I was amazed this morning that our 8.30 worship time, there was about 20 open seats. That's it. And so there were about 520-something people in here at 8.30 this morning. And so uh, we thank God for that as well. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and make your way to the gospel according to John. I told you this morning we are going to finish up a little bit. And so you knew we were going to finish up a little bit, right, before we share a little report about what happened, what God allowed us to do and allowed you to help us to do over in Africa, and we'll do that at the closing tonight at the end, all right? So John chapter 4, we left off this morning with Jesus doing a mic drop. Do you remember? Uh, she said, remember they were having a little bit of a, a back and forth, uh, Jesus and the woman at the well, him being a Jewish man, her being a Samaritan woman, uh, very unlikely pair to be even talking, but remember it wasn't her that started the conversation, it was him. And we're reminded that Jesus came for us. He became like us for us. But we learned that when he spoke to her, we find this wonderful detail about God is that he became us, right? He became like us for all of us. And no one is excluded, listen, unless you exclude yourself. Oh, that means the, the gate's been open and all can come in. And so we found this wonderful truth this morning. And then as the conversation goes on, you remember uh, she's talking to him about, you know, why is he talking to her? And she says, well, if you knew, he told her, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, if you realized the gift of God that's standing in front of you, you would have asked me instead of me asking you, right? Instead of me asking you to give me a drink of, like, water to quench my physical thirst, he, she, he told her, you would have asked me to give you a drink, and it would have quenched your spiritual thirst. And we talked a little bit about the fact that we human beings are born spiritually thirsty because, well, we were created for a relationship with God. And when that has not been done, when since the garden, when man walked close with God and then the separation happened and the disobedience and the original sin that fell in the garden, there's been this insatiable desire, even in man's heart, to be back connected with God. And Jesus Christ bridged that gap and made possible you and I would be able to know God and walk with him. And so we talked about the fact that we, like her, have gone to the empty wells. Haven't we done that? Um, we said she had gone to how many wells? Do you remember? Five. And those whales were represented by five men who were a part of a marriage definition, right, without the marriage. Uh, marriage benefit, marriage intimacy that's only supposed to be defined in marriage between a male and a female by God's design. And so because of that, she'd gone five times to the whale. And I was reminded, uh, again, I talked about the, her being somebody's daughter and the fact that she had trusted in five whales that were going to just bring her peace and, and bring joy to her life. And, and what do we say? Oh, he's going to complete me. Uh, he's going to be my rock, my world. And all five of them were empty whales because, listen, no man, no woman, 
no work, no career, no sport, nothing can fill the void that only God fits into in your heart and in your life. And so we talked through that this morning. Well, as they go back and forth, you remember she said something to him like, okay, give me a drink of this water so I don't have to come back to the well. And then, uh, you remember, and, and then Jesus said something very startling back to her. He said, go call your husband. <laughs> now, it's interesting, isn't it? He said, he's trying to give her, to get, get her to get him from him the drink of living water. And she says, all right, give me the physical drink. And he says, in the middle of this conversation, go get your husband. Awkward moment, wasn't it? She says, you remember what she said to him? I don't have a husband. Or we would say in our culture, it would be like, I ain't married. And then he said, no, you're right. You're honest about that part. And neither were the other five that you had marriage relationships with that you're not married to. And so we said something about Jesus that we all need to slow down tonight and remind ourselves of. You see, the, work, the culture would tell you that Jesus gets us and Jesus is for us, and he is. Make no mistake, he is. But the culture would have you think that he also Jesus is inclusive and that Jesus just loves you how you are and he'll just let you stay like you are. But listen, Jesus loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you like you are. And so what he said to her, not in public setting, but he didn't say to her, oh, it's okay that you have all these uh, sexual relationships outside of marriage. It's, don't worry about that. As a matter of fact, he called them to her attention. And so now here she is exposed. But remember what I shared with you this morning. As he exposed her, right, her need, that she'd been going to the empty well, he also exposed himself. Now, do you remember how we tracked that? Who would have known what happened in her life behind closed doors except God? And so as he exposed her sinfulness, he also exposed his sovereignty and divinity that he was God and is God. And so as this conversation continues, they sort of go back and forth. And so she, rather than surrendering to him as God, begins to argue about where we're supposed to worship. Remember, we talked about the fact that it's easier for us oftentimes to argue than to surrender, right? So she's like, oh, yeah, well, y'all say we should worship over in Jerusalem, and we say we should worship here. And Jesus said, none of that really matters because the only way you can worship God is in spirit and truth. And listen, the only way you can worship God in spirit and truth is to be born of the spirit through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he tells her. It's not about the where, it's about the who. And good news, it's not just for the Jew, but it's for the Gentile. So now he is, she, then she says, because she's all out of arguments, He's exposed her for her sinfulness. He's exposed himself for his sovereignty. He's offered to her the answer, and she's just sort of going back and forth. And finally she says, oh, yeah, well, when the Messiah comes, he's going to set this all straight. And Jesus said, it's me. It's me. You're talking to him. You're talking to him. So now let's see how the conversation goes. Now, do you feel primed? I know. How many of you got a nap today? Hallelujah. Well, we had some napping going on today. That's some good hours in right there. So um, that's why we primed the pump, and in case you weren't here with us this morning, but what I'm going to do now is invite you to stand to your feet, and we're going to read verse 27 all the way down. Are you ready for verse 42? All right, verse 42. Y'all got that in you? I know you do. Y'all don't, do you? We're doing it anyway, so you get, you get you some jumping jacks if you have to, but we're about to do it. You ready? Everybody all right? Okay, let's dive in, beginning in verse number 27. And at this point, his disciples came, so they walked back up on the scene, and they marveled that he, Jesus, talked with a woman, yet no one dared say to him, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, you need to eat. It's been a long day. You had not had anything to eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. 
Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap, listen closely, that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Well, that's, that's huge. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. Why? Because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. And when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he did. He stayed with them for two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Now, what he was doing in those two days wasn't just, you know, checking out the countryside. He was teaching and preaching. And they said to the woman, now, we believe. Not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is, help me say this word, indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Would you bow with me? <clears throat> Father, I thank you for the opportunity tonight to break open this wonderful bread that nourishes our soul. I thank you, God, that your word has power to make wise unto salvation and to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I pray now that I would not waste one moment of these precious people's time and attention. The most valuable thing they could give me now is their attention. So now would I steward it well by the power of your spirit, and I may preach tonight with clarity and full unction of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, I pray as I do that, you also preach to me. I, as much as any person in the room, need to hear from you and need to be encouraged, instructed, shaped, molded by your voice so, God, use my body as the instrument, but speak to me and to all of us and tune our ears to your still, small voice. May we hear a word from heaven that transforms how we live. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And the people of God said, amen. amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Now, I have a, a quick outline, right? I want to I be mindful of your time, and so I just want to make a few statements tonight. Uh, and so this morning was looking for something, right? It was sort of a question, and we talked about the fact that the human soul is looking for something, and we look for it. There's an old song that says, looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Now, just some of y'all got it going in your head right now, don't you? And we can all relate to that, can't we? I think we can uh, because the wrong places are the dry, dry wells. We, we've looked to all relationships with people. Uh, we've looked to work. We've looked to substances. We've looked to food. We've looked to all kinds of sports. We've looked to, I mean, any manner of nonsense we've looked to to fill that void, and nothing has worked, right? And so as we walk through this thing tonight, what I want to talk to you about, and, and, and I want you to just think about something. I said that question this morning, are you looking for something? You know, I tell you, my, my wife, can, I can walk in the room and she'll say, what are you looking for? I'm like, how'd you know I'm looking for something? You get that look on your face, you know. There's a look of want, a look of need, you know what I mean? You're just sort of searching for something. And, oh, I can see it spiritually a lot of times in the faces of people. Uh, when they come to you and they're talking about the symptoms in their life, but really there's a problem that's urging their, they're looking for something. And really the truth is they're looking for somebody, it's just that oftentimes they don't know it. So tonight I want to flip that, and I want to say finding what you're looking for, all right? So <clears throat> have you ever gone into your shop, your storage room, and you've been looking for something, and you desperately need that tool, and you looked, and you looked, and you looked, and then, and then finally you're, you know, you, you sort of give up hope. Maybe you're back in the house, and you begin to, you have what I call an epiphany. You ever have those epiphanies? You're like, oh, yeah, I hid that thing from myself. And you go and you open up a drawer and there it is. How, how, how many of you can say that's happened to you at least one time? You're like, isn't that a great feeling? 
And, man, then you take the tool and you get the job done. It's like, hallelujah, boy, just, you just feel it all over your body, all over your mind, all over your heart. So how much more so when the human heart finds what it's really been looking for? And so tonight I'm going to, now listen, just for the sake of storing it in our memory, I'm going to refer to it as it. So what I need you to do in your notes right now before we go any further is write IT, and then out to the side of that write, eternal life. Because when I say it, I'm like, that's sort of just small, you know. But I'm going to reference it that way. So it equals eternal life. And then maybe, maybe out to the side of that, you'd put another equals. I don't know if this is proper math, but I don't care because I don't really like math. And so we, is that y'all still love me? All right, good. So it equals, we say it equals eternal life, but would you also put equals abundant life? And so until you find eternal life, and by the way, the definition of eternal life is just a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And it's not heaven. It's not heaven. The moment you surrender your life to Jesus, you enter into eternal life. Isn't that good news? It's a relationship with the Father through the Son. Now, uh, you think about how that thing plays out and how life unfolds and eternal life equals abundant life. When I tell you this, I've tried it both ways. One way is fulfilling and brings joy and you can wake up, you don't have a headache. And you don't have to try to remember what you did. You don't have to apologize for how you, how you acted a fool the day before. And, and it's unbelievable. And God uses you for things that last longer than like the minute you're in. And how many of you can testify you've tried it both ways and you also have learned that abundant life is where it's at. So that is going to be the it tonight. Are we good on that? We got to hurry, y'all, because I'm behind time already. So we got the it down? Okay, good. Let me go back to the passage, all right? So there are four things, statements I want to make in finding what you are looking for when you found it, all right? So number one, when you find it, you will leave other stuff behind. Will you write that statement down? When you find it, when you find what? Eternal life. What else? Abundant life. When you find it, personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit, instructed by the Word of God. When you find that, listen, when you find it, you will, in fact, leave other stuff behind. Now, from the passage, you find it. You be the teacher tonight. Verse 28, you tell me. Take a moment, read. You guys are going to be the preachers now. We're going to flip this thing. I'm going to sit down. I'm not going to sit down, but okay. You're looking at verse 28? Okay, where did I get that? Okay, look at you guys. Now, see what I'm teaching you as we go along? I'm not just teaching you to be spoon-fed for me. I'm teaching you to take the Word of God and break it down on your own, okay? So, there was something very important in the scene. She comes. She comes to know this. this uh, she said, he, he, you must be a prophet. Remember her response to him? He's like, go get your husband. Well, I ain't married. Well, and yeah, you're right. You're not married. Neither are the other five guys that you've been living like you're married with. And she says, oh, I, I see that you're at least a prophet. <laughs> you know things about me nobody else knows. And so, but when, you, when she found, when she came to talk with him and he starts talking about eternal life and, and water that can thirst, that can quench the thirst of her soul and that it won't just quench her thirst, but it'll rise up in her and, and it'll become, you know what he said, fountain of living waters. In other words, it'll rise up and it'll quench the thirst of people around her because they'll be able to see it in her and hear it from her and they'll be able to taste and see that the Lord is good through her testimony of Jesus and what he's done. And so in verse number 28, what happens at this point, his disciples come, and they're, they're not, they don't dare ask what he's doing. And so the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and began to talk to the men. When you find it, I'm telling you, when you find it. Now, some of you think you found it, but you hadn't found it. Some of you have found a form of religion. 
Some of you have found a, a, a nice social gathering uh, that you like to go to and you feel good when you come and, and people are friendly and you just enjoy it. But your life does not say by your sacrifice that you found it. Uh, because the one simple command of making disciples you've ignored. Completely ignored it. And sitting in your chair tonight, you came in convinced that you found it. But the one thing he said do before he left, you're not doing it. So how in heaven's name could we, in fact, say, Jesus said, how can you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? Wow. It's tremendous, isn't it? But I promise you, when you really get a hold of it, when you really get a hold of a personal relationship with Jesus, Facebook won't be the first thing you check in the morning. When you really get a hold to it, I'm telling you, you you'll have to spend some time with him first thing in the, in the morning. I'm te- I just want you to know, some of you are missing it. I'm telling you, it's hard because you're trying to fake it, and it's a difficult journey, man. Faking Christianity is such a hard thing. But when you get it, when you get it, you'll leave some things behind. You'll change your schedule. Hallelujah. Amen, that's right. You'll leave some things behind. You'll change some of the TV shows you're watching. Your music will change. Where you spend your money will change. I'm telling you, listen, I'm telling you, when you get a hold of it, she, think about what she left. She left her water pot. Now, you understand that water pots in this particular day, can I just tell you something that you might have missed? There's no Walmart. And there's no, now this is really going to shock you, there's no dollar store. Isn't that shocking? I mean, I know. And so these, these water pots were priceless. I mean, and, and there was oftentimes not a way to replace them. And Brian, I can just see him toting them jugs, can't you? Where are you at? Where's he at? He's blending in. Where'd he go? He's gone. He left. Oh, there he is in the back. Can't you see him toting them jugs? And they're hanging on, those little kids are hanging on those jugs like it's their lifeline. You know why? Because it was. And yet, in comparison to it, what is it? Abundant life, relationship with the Father, the Messiah. In relationship to that, she dropped that thing like it was a hot potato, and she had to have that thing. You hear me? She had to have water. She's going to die. She left that water pot and hit the trail and couldn't wait to go and invite others. That's the second thing that's going to happen when you find it. You ready? When you find it. Hey, I'm just being reminded just now as I'm, as I'm looking at this text, I'm reminded of when Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven like a treasure and someone who's found a treasure and they sell everything they own. And you, you see, I just wonder today, I wonder what the disconnect is between the way I'm living, the way you're living, and the reality of when you really get it, that you go all in. Someone asked me one time, hey, what do you think the difference is? You've been passionate for a long time. What do you think the difference is in those people that like are all in and the people who are really not? I said, well, I'm not God. I have no idea whatsoever. But I think that there are going to be a lot of people who really figure out that they never really got an authentic relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. They were really good people. They are very religious. They had good morals. Their parents taught them good morals. So they liked to do good things, you know. And they would even serve. Maybe go some mission trips. Maybe give a little money. They had a pattern. They, you know, they did things. They were in Sunday school. But on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, they weren't making disciples. They didn't see urgency that I've got to pour what I know into somebody else so they can pour it into somebody else. They didn't see the urgency of the mission that Jesus has called us to. I'm telling you, when you find it, you leave other stuff behind. I wonder what it is in your life this week that needs to be left behind. All right, number two. Number two. I'll tell you, it's going to be a quick message. Number two. (laughs) 
When you find it, you'll invite others to it. Right? What'd she do? Now, she, she didn't just leave her water pot and run into the city and went and have a meal. You see, there's a purpose to it all. She leaves the water pot, which, is, by the way, is very important. But the first thing that she does when she gets into town is to invite. Let's, let's read, okay? Pick it up in verse number 29 and 30. Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Now, isn't it interesting that she would say, she, she drops her water pot, runs back into the city, and first thing, the first group of men she sees, she tells them what? Come on. Come on. Does that sound like an invitation from Jesus when he says, come to me? And so when you find it, when you find it, you can't help but want everybody you know to experience it. What is it? Abundant life. It's relationship with the Father through the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit, nourished by the Word of God, encouraged by the church of God. It's a wonderful way to walk, this way of, of walking with Jesus. And you can't wait to tell people. You're not ashamed of it. You're not shy about it. All of a sudden, you want to tell people that there is true joy that they can have. And they don't have to go looking in a bottle. They don't have to go looking in these relationships outside of Mary. They don't have to go... They can find it in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you find it, you'll invite others to it. So she runs into the city. But interesting, here's something very interesting to me. Look in verse number, verse number 29. So she says, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Now, interestingly enough, look how verse number 29 ends. It ends not with a statement with an exclamation point or a period. Instead, it ends with a question. Ah. So to me, it is very engaging that she's not even yet fully convinced that he is the Messiah, but it's still worth enough for her to leave her water pot and go tell everybody to come and see. So some of us in here, we, if, if we say, oh, I know for sure he is. Well, then why in heaven's name are we not urging him to come? If she wasn't fully convinced yet, the first thing she, she couldn't help but to do is to invite others how is it that we can think we are fully convinced that he is the Messiah and we've never invited another soul? Oh, friend, there's a big disconnect sometimes between when we think we found it and when we've really found it. All right, so when you find it, you'll leave other stuff behind. When you find it, you'll invite others to it. Now, listen, let me give this statement to you, all right, as we read verse 30. Then they went out of the city and came to him. Now, <clears throat> you wouldn't expect a, a lady to walk into the, the city and say, hey, you got to come out here and see this guy who knows everything about me. Oh, man, go on, lady. i got things to do, you know. Well, I mean, would you expect there to be some in the group that did that? How many of you would have, if a lady running town told you that, you said, now listen, I've got to be at work and I can't, you know, I'm not fooling with that. Never underestimate, write this in your notes, never underestimate the power of a simple invitation. Never underestimate the power of a simple invitation. Someone asked me a long time ago, hey, tell me about church growth and strategies and all that. I said, I don't know any about all that. I'm not an educated person. I, I don't, listen, I'm not even in, that doesn't even intrigue me, except that I have noticed a pattern. I've noticed a pattern that when God's people invite, people come. When God's people invite, they've got people at Walmart and the butcher and the people at the gas station, they come. It's the most amazing thing. Uh, if all of you are out inviting, then what happens is people come and they hear the gospel. And when the people come and the gospel's preached, guess what? People get saved. And we see it. And you're a part of that, you see. Never underestimate the power of a simple invitation. She left that thing behind, ran into the city. When you find it, you will invite others to it. Number three, when you find it, you live the mission. When you find it, you live the mission, all right? Write that down. When you find it, you live the mission. Verse 31 to 38, see if you see it. So they go out in the city. And in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And Jesus said to them, and watch how Jesus puts the focus on where it needs to be. 
I have food to eat of that which you do not know. So they start thinking among themselves, did you bring him food? No, did you? Did you? No. Somebody stuck him a snack pack, didn't you? You know, there's, did anybody bring anything to eat? And Jesus said, guys, by the way, if you're whispering over there, I can hear the voice of your heart. Right? You can't hide anything from him. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work, living the mission. Jesus said, what fuels me, what nourishes me, what gives life meaning here is for me to live the mission. To do the will of the Father, that brings me nourishment, that brings me energy, that brings me vitality. Could it be that you're struggling from fatigue, not necessarily because of a physical reason, but because of a spiritual reason? Could it be that you get tired every day and you wake up yawning, you get a long night of sleep and you stay tired all the time? Could it be because you're missing out on the vitality of life that comes when you're living the mission? See, logic would say, if you live the mission, it's going to take more energy and therefore make you more tired. But what you'll find spiritually, that when you get involved and begin to live the mission, it's life-giving. And you'll find that you have more energy and you have more zeal for life when you live the mission. Can anybody testify to that? Say amen. <clears throat> you'll find that it's, it's unbelievable, the difference. You'll go further on less sleep uh, when you live the mission. Jesus said, I've got this. And by the way, let me just say in verse 34, Jesus said it was his, his mission was to finish the work. Now, that's not mine and your work. You understand that? Um, does anybody know where the work was finished? On the cross. And so there's nothing else to be done. Boy, there's a, there's a song that's out right now, Shane and Shane, that says you've already won. I encourage you to listen to that thing. Boy, you're talking about make you have a wreck. Hold on to the steering wheel with both hands, I'm telling you. Um, because it talks about the fact that I'm fighting about it. You already won. Sort of, work's already finished. And so, listen, you and I are not in the work of making salvation happen. We're in the work of sharing the fact that it's available. Well, it's just that simple, uh, that it is available. So uh, let me move on if I can. <clears throat> Verse 35, do, you, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look the fields, for they are already white for harvest. I want you just to think for a minute. When you find it, when you find eternal life, you will live the mission. He says in verse 36, he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps, they may rejoice together. Everybody has a part. Everybody has a part. You realize that? Sometimes it's sowing. Sometimes it's reaping. Sometimes it's watering. Sometimes it's fertilizing. Sometimes it's digging up the soil. Uh, the, the, uh, the example of a harvest, we all have a part in it. And we rejoice together. Like this morning, those Eight souls that were saved. We all had a part in that. And we rejoice in that together. Then we go on just a little further. And he says in verse 37, For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. Then he says, For I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. You know, I realize every time I preach the gospel, whether it be in this pulpit or anywhere in my office, one-on-one somewhere, uh, that the work is already done, and I've entered the labor that Jesus has already done. I've entered the labor that the disciples carried the good news across oceans and dispersed in the far corners of the earth. I realize I'm entering into a labor that began before the foundation of the earth. And you know what it does? It reminds me that I'm just one little, small, tiny piece of what God's doing. But I tell you what, I'm glad to be a small part of what God is doing, amen? So when we find it, we live the mission. Now, let me just close with number four, and that is when you live the mission, others will find it. Notice how we build this thing, all right? So first we said when you find it, y'all help me, we will, oh boy, swing and a miss. You see that? I threw that thing right by you. You didn't even get your bat up. All right, here we go, y'all ready? Number one, all right? Everybody together? Okay, when you find it, you will, 
That's what I'm talking about. Base it, all right? When you find it, you'll leave other stuff behind. What'd she leave? Second, when you find it, oh, that was a bunt. You'll invite others to it. She ran into the city and she said, come and see, come and see. And they, they went. They went. Never underestimate the power of a simple invitation, all right? Thirdly, we said, when you find it, you will live. The there we go. Boy, we got a double on that one, all right? We'll live the mission. And then finally, when you live the mission, others will find it. We'll find it. What is it? Eternal life, abundant life. It's relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit, nourished by the Word of God, encouraged by the church. What a beautiful picture. When you live that mission, others will find it. By the way, you notice a big circle there, don't you? That God continues to multiply and build His kingdom. That's His plan. I wonder if you are in that process or if you're on the sidelines. I wonder if you're part of that, taking the gospel to the nations, to your neighbor, to your coworkers, to your family, or if it just sort of came to you and then just sort of sat down and hopefully somebody else is going to do it. I'm pre- Listen, that's not, don't look down at the carpet. Look up at me here, all right? We're in this together. That's not a beat you up. That's a call you up, right? Come on, let's get up and go about the mission if we really have found it. If we hadn't found it, listen, maybe tonight, maybe tonight you'd find it. Matter of fact, it would be him, and his name is Jesus. Let me conclude, if I can, all right, these last few verses, 39 to 42. If you, when, rather, when you live the mission, others will find it. So many of the Samaritans of that city, in verse 39, believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. So there's a group that believed because of her testimony. You know, the word of, God, uh, the, word of the Lord says in, in the book of Revelation, we overcome the servant by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. She testified, and many believe she's living the mission, so others are finding it. Of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. They said, wait, he, he knew your life? Yeah, he knew everything about me. Are you kidding me? No, he knew everything about me. He, he, listen, my mama didn't even know about number four. And Jesus told, he counted them out, all five empty wells. And then he ministered to my heart and gave me water that nourished my soul. And so I want you to see that, right? Notice that as she's living the mission, others are finding it. And when the Samaritans had come to him and urged him to stay with them, he stayed with them there two days. Jesus did. <clears throat> and many more believed because of his own word. So some believed because of her word. And then another group, up, I'm telling you, there's multiplication happening. And so because they're living the mission, Jesus is living the mission. You see what he did? Two days he taught. He didn't have to do that. He could have said, I got to go. I'm, I'm busy. I got to do this. I got to do that. He's living the mission. She's living the mission. A certain group became followers of Christ because of her living the mission. Another group of them began to live the mission, uh, became part of the family of God because he's living the mission. You see how that works? And many more believe, verse 41, because of, anybody with me, verse 41? Because of his own word. That's beautiful to me because I can't wait to hear Jesus and they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know, we know after hearing him, we know that this is indeed, indeed, it is the Christ, the Savior of the world. When you live the mission, others will find it. So I want you just for a moment, before we enter to the last section of our time together, I want us to take just a moment and pause in a time of prayer. So would you just sort of <clears throat> set your stuff over to the side and, and for a moment, let's just sort of give an opportunity to respond to what it is that we've heard, all right? Would you make yourself comfortable there? Bow your head with me and close your eyes just for a moment. There is no feeling like finding what you're looking for. You put your hands on it, 
you grab a hold to it. If it's something that you wanted to eat, you eat it. Oh, and it makes you happy. Or, or you put your hand on that tool and you use it and you accomplish the thing and it's just so fulfilling. When you're looking for a destination, you know, and your GPS has got you going all crazy and you're looking for something, you can't find it. And then, and then somehow you find yourself at your destination. It's nothing like it. It's nothing like it. How much more? When your soul born onto this earth looking for something, matter of fact, looking for someone. Not knowing what, just knowing that there's got to be something more, knowing that there's a disconnect, knowing that there's a void, knowing that there's something unfulfilled. And then to come to hear the good news that even though you're not looking for him, he's looking for you. And not only is he looking for you, but he paid the purchase price for you to become his own child. Wow. And not only that he was willing to pay the purchase price, but the purchase price wasn't a bunch of gold and silver or some land in Texas, but that the purchase price was a very high cost. It was the lifeblood of his own son. Because he loved me and you so very much, he willingly gave his son, the son willingly gave his life so that you and I could receive it. Receive what? Eternal life. Relationship with God the Father. You can know him. You can walk with him. You can hear him. You can follow his purposes. You can be forgiven by him. And Jesus did all of that. And he makes the offer even again tonight. To whosoever will call upon his name, you shall be saved. So tonight with heads bowed and eyes, because I just want to ask, if you're here and you've never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, there's no time like right now. And saints of God, you ought to be praying right now. If there's one so, you know, the amazing thing about what we, happens here, we gather out here and we say, man, we're going to give a little short message and, a, and, a, and report on a mission's uh, assignment and God will save. It's amazing. He'll save people. And so maybe you're here tonight and God is speaking to your heart. And I want to say something to you. You don't have to come down the aisle and hold my hand or Brian's hand. Uh, someone said, well, I walked an aisle. Well, walking an aisle is a great thing, but that's not where salvation's found. Salvation is found in the moment of faith and surrender. Faith in Jesus, the Son of God, died for the sins of the world, resurrected from the dead, and a surrender to say, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Now, I asked Gray this morning. Gray was saved right about where Brian's sitting right there down front this morning after everybody was out. And I asked Gray, I said, Gray, now what, what the Scripture requires is that you confess and agree with God and invite Jesus to be Lord. I said, do you know what Lord is? He said, oh, yeah, boss. <laughs> boss, king. Yeah, I said, you got it, brother. That's it. And so my question for you is if you hadn't got it, you hadn't got it. What is it? Abundant life. Eternal life. Abundant life. Relationship with the Father. What are you waiting for? If the Spirit is drawing, if He's urging your heart, I, I challenge you tonight, where you're seated, confess Jesus as Lord. Invite Him to come and be the Lord of your life. Receive Him tonight. Now, I'm not going to have a time for you to come down right now, all right? But I want to say this to you. If you're here and that's happened for you with heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want you to slip your hand up. Just hold it up for a few seconds for me if you would. All right? Just hold it up. I'll see you there. Just hold your hand right up and just hold it for just a split second. All right? I'm not going to come get you or ask you to come down. For the rest of us, maybe you're considering what it means now to take what you have learned and what you have come to know and what you have come to experience now and take it out to the world. I pray God stoked the fire a little bit because when you find it, 
you'll leave some stuff behind for it. When you find it, you'll invite others to it. When you find it, you will, in fact, live the mission. And when you live the mission, others will find it. Oh, that God would use me and you this week. So let's take a moment in this quietness and just ask the Lord to use us this week. Would you do that? Just say, God, here I am. Use me. Give me boldness. Put people in front of me who need to hear the good news. Help me to follow you into the world and to live different and to be different and to love different. And let it be natural to me that I just care about people enough to find out where they are spiritually. Don't let me be afraid. Oh, you've not given me a spirit of fear. But power, love, and a sound mind. Help me to have a sound mind of power as I go out and share the good news.